The Rose Bowl Legacy Foundation preserves, protects, and enhances the future of the Rose Bowl Stadium as a national historic landmark. America's Stadium has hosted two Olympic Games, with a third one coming in 2028, two World Cup Finals, five Super Bowls, and the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl since 1923. It is the epic center of college football and is the most iconic stadium in the world. To learn more about how you can support the Rose Bowl Stadium as it turns 100 years young, visit www.inspire, which spells inspire2022.org. Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football. We have done a lot of shows lately. I'm just coming back from a week-long vacation in Hawaii. It was over in Maui and the North Shore of Oahu. We did a Dan Weber show. Thanks to Keely Yor for coming into the office and taking care of that. Did it remotely. We haven't had Coach Harvey Hyde on for a couple weeks now because I was gone. It's a little tough to do the show uh, remotely, but we're going to have him on today and we're going to talk about these new USC assistant coaching hires, and really more more importantly, what kind of impact the six new faces could have on USC spring football. So we have some questions along those lines and other questions about the assistant coaching hires because it's definitely going to be a different looking staff in 2020 than it was in 2019. If you have any questions or comments for us, please email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. We got a steady stream of emails even last week when I was on a little bit of hiatus. You could also call or text us, 424-254-9141. We got a voicemail to play today, a couple of them. There were some older voicemails in there. Sorry if we didn't play yours. Call back and uh, there's you know some fresh takes you can have and we'll play them on the shows leading up to USC Spring Football. We'll also talk about the dates of USC Spring Football. Those were released, but we need to do that with the coach. He's always on here every week. We've been talking to him this will be our 13th season together talking USC Trojan football. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or Instagram at Coach Harvey Hyde. And his website is HarveyHyde.com. He's doing a bunch of Instagram videos where he'll give his rants about different topics in the world of college football. And we welcome him on the show. What's up, Coach? How are you? Well, buddy, I'm all huddled up. I'm all buckled up here on a Monday. It's a holiday day for everybody but you and I. As we always say, football never ends. It goes year-round, and I love working. I love talking about football, and we want to wish everybody out there a happy President's Day. I don't know when they're listening or when they will be listening, but we hope you're safe wherever you are and you're enjoying yourself. Yeah, I hope everyone has a great President's Day. I know it's weird, me coming back on vacation. I got back late Sunday night, and uh, I mean, obviously, you got to get back to work because I've been gone for a while. It's hard, you know, it's hard to, to be around that. Like, but it is President's Day, so happy President's Day to everyone. I know a lot of people are working, but some people are, have the day off. And if you're listening to the show today or whatever day you're listening, thanks for uh, being part of our show, like I said, going into the 13th season. Coach, the, uh, the spring football schedule just came out. Uh, I guess we knew what the spring game was because 
USC president Carol Folt kind of dropped it in a, a different, you know, she was talking about it at another time. So that they already knew when that was going to be. But uh, so what the spring schedule is very similar to the schedules we've seen in years past under Clay Helton. It's uh, three days a week, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, six weeks. So there's one week off for spring break. This time it's a start off spring football on Tuesday, March 10th. They go the 10th, 12th, and 14th. That's Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. 3 p.m. starts for the Tuesday, Thursday games. 10 a.m. start for Saturday. I mean, practices. Uh, 10 a.m. start for Saturday practices. They have that first week. Then they get a week off for spring break. Then they come back on the 24th through the 28th. Same thing. Uh, March 31st and into April 2nd and 4th. The fifth week will be the 7th, 9th, and 11th. And the 11th will be the spring showcase at noon. And then on the they'll finish off, so they'll have one more week of spring football after the showcase, the 14th, the 16th, and the 18th. So pretty similar dates and everything to what we saw years past. Anything stand out to you? Well, it's the same schedule, and I think it sort of uh, is set by, probably by the athletic department. I don't know how much Clay Helton has to say about it, but when it's the same all the time, then it has to go probably with the school calendar as far as when they have a swim with Mike and they have all these other events that go around it, parents weekend or whatever. So I'm assuming uh, normally that's a normal time that you would be having spring practice. Uh, uh, I don't know yet if they uh, have set the times. I haven't seen any time except for the uh, circus, the showcase on the yeah. 11th. And I, so it's 3 p.m. Huh? 3 p.m. on Tuesday, Thursday, and 10 a.m. on Saturdays, except for the showcase, which is April 11th. That's at noon, and they haven't announced a location yet. The last couple of years, because the Coliseum renovation, they've had it on, uh, on not on Howard Jones Field. They've had it on Cromwell Field. I assume they're going to go back to the Coliseum, and then I don't know if it's going to be like an actual game or is it just going to be a regular practice like it's been the last couple of years? Well, I hope it's an actual game. They have a whole new defensive staff. They got their offensive staff and a couple of coaches there. They need to work in a game type situation. They need to work the headsets. They need to have great tape, great film to be able to show the next week and during the summer months, as far as their players on the execution and how it works. And then uh, if you take a look at who they open with, Take a look at their spring game. It's a regular spring game. The entire thing, the only person in the middle of the field is Nick Saban watching everything. The winners get steaks. The losers get hot dogs. And uh, there's 65 or 70,000 people there. It's a main event. And that's who you open with. So I always used to say, who do I open with? Who do I play? What type of players do I need? How are they getting ready for our game? We better get ready the same way. So... I would hope it's a very physical type of spring. Uh, I hope that the new coaches have an opportunity to become acquainted with themselves, work together, be prepared, because in the spring, I always feel that's where you make your football team and that's where you become a player because you have plenty of time to get well with your feelings getting hurt or physically hurt or whatever. And you've got a lot of tape to show people. Look at it yourself, learn yourself, and all the above. So I hope it's not held at Magic Mountain or Disneyland as far as on the 11th. I hope it's held in the Coliseum uh, with a great crowd, uh, with uh, a headset on all the defensive staff working from the press box and the offensive staff the same way and getting it on. Ones against ones, twos against twos, and whatever. 
Yeah, I, I want to see that as well. And I think especially with the new hire of Todd Orlando and any a lot of the interviews that he had done talked about how important physical practices were. That's really been his mantra. That hasn't been Clay Helton's mantra. So there's a you know there's a conflict there, strategy, you know, as far as philosophies go in practice. I'm curious to see what they do. Uh, I kind of tend to think that Todd Orlando is going to win out on this one and there's going to be more physical practices. Um, you know, we don't know for sure. Uh, and I, I know the the rules have changed. You can't do three a days and no one gets water and all, all the, those days are gone, but you still can practice more physically than USC has been practicing. And you can practice in pads more often than USC has been practicing. They haven't been doing the maximum amount. There is a, a you know, there's a maximum amount now um, that a lot of schools, you know, will play up to that level. And then, you know, USC has not been one of those schools. What do you expect coach from uh, these, uh, you know, six weeks of spring football? Do you think it's going to look different than what we've seen in the past? Well, I hope so. I hope it does. Uh, you can't talk about being physical and not practice physical. You just can't practice a certain way. And then all of a sudden on game day, you say, oh, this is the way we're going to play this game. That doesn't happen, right? And it doesn't happen. You've got to practice. The team's got to understand the discipline. And because you're in uh, shoulder pads and helmets doesn't mean you can't have a physical football practice. You can be very physical. You stay off the ground, no chop blocking. You do all live drills. There's nothing you can't do that, you know, just don't tackle, but you can do everything else. Yeah, I think uh, uh, Iowa yeah. even tackled some. They had a technique they were using in shells leading up to the Holiday Bowl. They were tackling uh, even on the the non full pads days, but in a, a certain way. So there's there's things you can do to add to the physicality of practices without just killing each other. You're exactly right. It's just the thought of being physical. You can't have what you call a, an even soft day. People, uh, you know, when you, you you become used to that. And uh, you resent it when coach says full pads, we're going to hit today, or we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Oh, man. Hey, you got to expect it to be that way every day. And if coach gives you a, a day to relax or whatever because you deserved it, then you're excited about it. But uh, spring spring football is supposed to be work, dedication, learning the system, and uh, you know earning your money. And getting ready for an opening football game. And uh, as we talked about, everyone knows who they open with. And I'm telling you, that guy down there, if you listen to their players and everything else, they're not happy with being 12-2 and two at all. No, they are mad. So I'm telling you right now, Ryan, and all of our listeners, you know that too, that they better get themselves ready to go and uh, be ready for a great season. And, and I agree with you. I think... Uh, Todd Orlando and his staff is more of a fired-up type of staff. You get more uh, pep out of him, I think, than you would Clancy. Clancy had a different philosophy, different attitude, different personality. And so far, I've liked the hires on the defensive side of the football, and I think they want to get after you. I worry about a few things on how they're going to learn the play Todd's type of defense going against the passing type of offense continuously. But again, I think the offensive side of the football has got to learn a lot to this spring, and I think it's very important. You've heard me talk about it all the time. Why didn't they recruit a running back? Who would go to USC if you're a running back? You don't believe in running the football. What five-star tackle wants to go to USC when you don't learn how to run the football? So and one block. So there's a lot of things that, that they have to change their philosophy on, not that the 
run and shoot or whatever offense they want to call it, air raid, whatever it is, is not their uh, philosophy, but they better be able to do short yardage. They better be able to do tight end exposure, tight end passing, tight end blocking, jumbo packages, going to center for quarterback sneaks and run some plays on the goal line. If they don't add to what their philosophy is, their philosophy has got to be a complete offense, not just one phase of one offense. Yeah, I agree with you, Coach. Uh, but we got a lot of questions kind of about the new assistant coaches, uh, six of them in the mix, uh, still one that hasn't been officially announced, but um, USC just kind of takes forever to do those kind of announcements. This one, uh, I'll, I'll probably answer for it first and then get your thoughts on a coach, just about um, you know really changing a lot on a, a staff that, you know, like we said, many USC fans wanted Clay Helton to be gone. And like for the second year in a row, you make some major changes. I'll play the voice before you. I give a few thoughts and then get your thoughts, coach. Here we go. Hey guys, Frank Miranda, um, out of Irvine, class of 2004. Hey guys, uh, I was listening to the podcast between, uh, Ryan and the coach and we were talking about, uh, the coaching staff and coach Ives was commenting now that they kept Clay Helton. You know, you know, some of you guys reported because it was a money thing or whatnot, or but yet they went inside Graham Harrell to a bigger contract, a longer contract, Todd Orlando to a big contract, under contract. You know, and even Coach Hyde was like, "Hey, they're in for more money now, so it doesn't really make sense." Um, you know, I wonder if you guys talk to your sources, or the next time you guys talk to some of the eight athletic uh, athletic department uh, staff of, you know, the reasoning of money being an issue, and then they sign these guys to longer contract getting into a deeper hole. Uh, just curious about it. Fight on Frank out of Irvine class of 2004. Hey Frank, thanks for the email. And just, I want to recommend to people check out, uh, if you're not a member of the site for uscfootball.com, make sure you go check it out. You can, uh, you know, do a free trial and uh, see what we do every Friday. We put up a war room with a lot of insider information in it. And we, we put a lot of details into this new coaching staff and what it costs. And I'll, I'll give you a, a summary just to kind of wet your whistle a little bit. But there's people talking, Coach, about they're spending all this money on assistance. We've known the last 10 years it's not been a well-run athletic department. Uh, I think there was contracts that were given out. Part of the reason, like we said, Clay Hilton is still around. He has a huge contract. And he was given a, a contract extension at a time when you didn't need to give him one. That was under Lynn Swan's watch. You're not going to see that kind of stuff and frivolous spending anymore, in my opinion, with Mike Bone and Brandon Sosna there uh, running the show. From what I told was told by sources, if you look at the overall salaries of the six play, the six assistant coaches that were on the staff in 2019, you upgraded them. You got rid of six guys and you brought in six new ones. The overall salary, from what I'm told, is actually less in 2020 for those six spots than they were in 2019. So I wouldn't say that they're spending a lot more money on this staff. I think they're just spending they're they're using the power of USC and the cachet USC has to get coaches in, even with a head coach that's on the hot seat and has been for the last couple of years. I think they're spending money in a smart way and getting a guy like Dante Williams and Todd Orlando. You bought Todd Orlando when his stock was down. If he, you tried to hire him two years ago, he was one of the highest paid assistants in the country. He gets fired at Texas kind of as a scapegoat thing. You can get a guy like that at a cheaper price. So I think the athletic department has been a lot more shrewd with their spending. So I wouldn't say, Frank, that 
they've got out and just wrote blank checks to a lot of people. I think they've tried to get way better coaches at a, a more reasonable rate. And I think they did a pretty good job of achieving that. And I think they have too, Ryan. I don't know how many years these contracts are, but they're more, I think, suited coaching staff for college football. And they've had experience uh, at big programs, and they've played against big-time teams, and they've recruited. None of them are what you call NFL coaches. They've had the opportunity of making contacts uh, with coaches uh, in the recruiting that they've done, and uh, I think that they will do a good job. I think they're a better defensive staff right now, and I also think that Snyder, the special teams coach, is one of the tops in the country too. Let's don't forget that. So I think that the changes they've made on the defensive side of the football is something that's good. Now, you, you, you asked that question also. You said, why are they making all these changes, yet they've decided to keep uh, Coach Clay Helton? And I, I really believe this. I think the president likes Coach Clay Helton. And I think she's trying to do everything in her power to uh, save him and keep him around USC because of who he is. He has impressed her, so he's in, she's instructed Mike Bone, the athletic director, to get him the best support staff that he can get, and uh, and I think that's what they're doing because when you listen to the hires, it, it's more of a we have hired or or, I've, or they have hired. Of course, with Clay Helton approving it, but I think it's more of a team type of hiring that's been going on with the leadership of Mike Bone and. Clay Helton on who these people are they're adding to the staff. Now, the coaching portion of that, I think they have to work out. I don't think Mike Bone will get involved in that. But, Ryan, I also agree with you 100% on the experience of an experienced athletic director. And I think that's why I was and I think others were so against Pat Hayden becoming an athletic director. That's like I used to use all those terms about would you have someone do your heart surgery when he's never done one before. And Lynn Swan was in the same type of situation, come into that type of situation and not understand all the things that are necessary to run a huge athlete department. I think uh, it certainly does show. So I think they've made some changes that way. And I hope it shows success. All right, coach, let's move on. Along the same lines, we had a question from Don. Uh, wasn't worded really correctly, but he wants to know basically who are making, who's making these coaching hiring decisions? Uh, he doesn't feel like the fans think it's Clay Helton. They feel like it's more of a Mike Bone. We've talked about this before, Coach, and for what I've been told, it's definitely more of a collaborative process. I think if you, I don't think you can be the AD and just hand the head coach coaches that they don't want, but I feel like Mike Bone has pushed Clay Helton in certain directions. Like a Todd Orlando is not a typical hire. He's completely outside of the norm. So I feel like, you know, Mike Bone, there's input there. But if Clay Helton ultimately didn't want him, I couldn't, um, I don't think it's a thing where Mike Bone forces it on it because you can't, that's not going to be good for the, the locker room if you have coaches that you know Clay Helton doesn't want. I think it's more of trying to convince Clay Helton hey, instead of going getting the USC guy that you're familiar with, let's go get this other guy who other people would actually like to hire. So I feel like that's the way it's gone. Uh, what do you think, Coach? I agree with you. <clears throat> and if they had to make a coaching change, uh, and I'm not advocating they do, they have people who could probably become an interim uh, head coach, or if they did ha make a change, I think that they 
have people that the new head coach coming in would uh, know and recognize their names and where they've coached before and respect them and possibly keep them. Plus, also, I think that they've looked at their recruiting abilities and where they've been and how, if they can recruit, because recruiting is the name of the game. At Texas, the talent got a little bit lean, and uh, as you mentioned earlier, they had to pin it on somebody, so it was Todd Orlando, and uh, that normally happens. So uh, that's the way things go, and if you remember the USC a couple of years ago, it was T. Martin. They had let T. Martin go, and they brought in Graham Harrell. So, you know, that's what happens now today as an assistant coach, and and I think Coach Helton uh, his, uh, has the final say, but I think Mike Bone is more involved in this than ever before. The other ADs probably didn't have anything to do with it. Yeah, I don't think they had any clue what's going on. And I, I think Mike Bone, to, to his credit, sees the situation and sees that there have been these kind of insular hires and not going outside of the family and not really taking – risks and getting people that could come in and change things. And and now these hires are doing that. Now, Graham Harrell changed things last year, um, you know, but it's unfortunate when you have two years in a row, you basically have an athletic director sort of forcing changes. I don't think Lynn Swan had anything to do with who was brought in, but there were some changes made because, you know, you had to do something. Everyone was on Lynn Swan to fire this guy. So he did, you know, he basically sends out that statement, which was crazy. And then Mike Bone has to do the same kind of statement a year later. So that's why fans are kind of mad. But you talk about the recruiting prowess. And I think that's an important part of this. A guy like Dante Williams is, uh, you know, was one of the best recruiters on the West Coast. Um, someone that we felt USC should have gone after a couple years ago. And now they end up bringing him in. I think this is a big coup. And our, our buddy, Curtis Marino Valley, very happy that USC brought him in. So he doesn't mention him by name, but that's who he's talking about in this voicemail. I'll play it for you. Curtis from Moreno Valley. We now have the number one recruiter in the Pac-12 and the number seven recruiter in the nation. I say we never let him go. And I say we get everybody. He now has the USC legend and cachet and overall beautiful setting to recruit it's going to be a great thing unless you're a helton hater curtis from moreno valley and it's funny coach um if you remember when when usc hired Dylan mccullough he was only around for a year but he talked about that i mean he was recruiting high caliber talent away from the sec at indiana which is hard to do he got to usc and he's like Wow, this is a lot easier. Same sort of thing. I mean, now he Dante Williams recruited really well at Oregon. You can still recruit there, but it's another level when you're not convincing a kid to leave home. When you got to tell Justin Flo, "Hey, leave leave Southern California and come to Oregon," that's harder than, "Hey, Justin Flo, stay at home." And so I, I think, uh, you know, Dante Williams is a great recruiter, and his job will be a little bit easier being at a place like USC. Well, there's no question about it. Uh, like we always say, and everybody else is saying it now that USC is the face of the Pac-12. When USC isn't uh, respectful, well, the Pac-12 is not respected. So I think this is uh, two uh, coaches know that. And as I've always said, uh, you know, coaching at USC is a special opportunity for people. 
And uh, I think he realizes that. He grew up in Southern California in Culver City, went to Pasadena City College and all the above. Everybody knows all of that. So he has local contacts. He has kids he went to school with, his friends that are on the streets, and a lot of them are coaching. And I think it's a great opportunity for him to come home, be with his family, and coach at USC. USC is a big thing to Dante Williams. He's a West Coast, Southern California guy, okay? He understands where the heartbeat is. He understands as a kid growing up where he wanted to go to school. Maybe he wasn't good enough to go to USC, but he's good enough to coach and recruit to USC. So I think that's the type of staff members you have to have, and I think it's a great uh, hire. And uh, we'll see what happens, and I hope that momentum, and I already see the momentum changing a bit. It's a little bit early as far as people getting out there and the higher quality of players that are being contacted. And uh, you've got an image change going on, and it's, you know, it's not easy. And you've got to win football games along with it, uh, even if – uh, you've got great recruiters, and if you don't improve your uh, image, it doesn't happen. So you've got the image of USC. Now you've got to correct and improve the image of USC football. And at the same time, when you do that, then you have an opportunity to get great players. Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna, we still have a few more questions. I'm going to take a quick break, come right back, and uh, finish up uh, answering all your questions. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast, keeping along the hiring aspect of it with the coaching staff now complete. Doesn't look like there's going to be any more changes. There's still talk of bringing in some people that are USC alumni, you know, you know, former players, things like that. We had a couple questions. I'll read them both for you and get your thoughts. Um, Jim B says, "Hey guys, great program. Keep it, keep up the good work. Thanks, Jim." Uh, are they thinking about hiring a guy like Chris Claiborne as a graduate assistant? He's a great coach and a great recruiter, especially in the SoCal area. Fight on from Jim B. And then Rick and La Mirada, he said, is there a reason or is it a bad hire to grab a few USC alumni like Taylor Mays and let them recruit? To kids now, they are heroes and can speak the lingo. Hype the kids up. Uh, they didn't take Chris Claiborne, and, uh, and that's a misfire. And alumni aren't, aren't happy. They're not happy about it. The ex-USC players who care the most. Uh, so he wants to know about that. They could still, for you know, they could still hire Chris Claiborne as some kind of analyst role or potentially a grad transfer. Uh, Taylor Mays, similar thing. Um, you could you know bring him in as some kind of assistant somewhere. And I you know I think they're talking to people like that. There are new NCAA rules though, especially with someone like Chris Claiborne because he was in the high school world. You have to get it passed by compliance because there's some rule where you can't just hire like a high school coach that has a whole bunch of five-star players on his team so you get those players to come in. So there's there's kind of rules in place to prevent some of that stuff from happening. But, Coach, what are your thoughts on somehow incorporating uh, ex-players into the program? I think it's absolutely fabulous. <laughs> I think you got to uh, get them all over your program, everywhere. Name players that are willing to work, not just come in and sit around and say, you know, uh, I'm this person. I think Claiborne would be a great hire. I think he'd make more money at USC than he's making now. But not that he's come there for money, but I think if I hope if he did well in the NFL, he was able to save some of his money. I think to him, it'd just be an exciting thing to be back at USC, along with Taylor Mays, who's a very successful player, not only at USC, but also in the NFL. 
I think it's great to surround that. Plus, the alumni people will see that happening. And when alumni football players come to practice at USC, these coaches recognize them and make them feel more comfortable. I think you've got to have a lot of that going on in the recruiting area, in the front office area, all above everywhere. A lot of that is lacking at USC with the lack of... Uh, of uh, alumni players, alumni coaches, alumni people in the athletic department itself. I'm talking about marketing. I'm talking about all the areas, broadcast area, everywhere. You've got to bring the Trojan family back together, and I think that's one hell of an idea, and I hope they're doing that and pursuing it to the most. Yeah, I agree with you, Coach. I think you can get these guys involved. I think the big difference is, before, USC was like, oh, just hire Chris Claiborne as your linebacker coach. And some people still wanted that. And I would be like, it's great that he was a, you know, a, a Thorpe Award winner at USC. and all, No, I'm sorry, Butkus Award winner at USC. That's great. Uh, he coached in high school. But I would rather see USC bring in an experienced, you know, position coach as opposed to a former player. Now, there's room, though, for former players. It's analyst roles, uh, grad assistants, things like that. Uh, I think that makes more sense. And then if they do well, then there could be promotion to a regular, you know, to a full-time position. But I'd rather, instead of just hiring someone, oh, they're a USC person, let's just hire them to do this job that they've never done before. I'd rather not see that. So I agree with you, Coach. I think you want to get these guys involved. Now that the uh, the full-time assistants are hired, we'll see what kind of support staff changes because they have new open recs. They have open positions helping on the recruiting side and things like that. Uh, like I said, there's compliance issues that could that can come into play, but uh, I feel like USC is going to go in a good direction there. I agree. I agree, Ryan. I really do. I agree with what you're saying. And plus, it's great to have them around uh, talking to these kids, you know, letting these kids, kids understand what teamwork is and the Trojan tradition and all of the above. A lot of these kids don't remember the Trojan uh, tradition. A lot of them don't even know who these players are, but I'd take and put on a few films and show them me playing in action and so on. And not that they aren't great coaches or could be great coaches, but they can come up and also have a role off the field as well as on the field. And I wouldn't be one one uh, moment shy of allowing them to coach some drills if they can do that. If they can't, off the field activities are just as important, eating with them, talking with them, letting them know what it's all about to be a teammate and be a USC Trojan. That's what's lacking at USC as far as these guys understanding who USC is and what they got to be. Yeah. We got a question from Giles Miles uh, about game-changing threats. He said, we haven't had a player who could single-handedly change the game since Adoree Jackson left for the NFL. He was just special and could end up scoring three different ways in a single game as he did against Notre Dame. Some have mentioned Gary Bryant Jr., the incoming freshman uh, wide receiver, but apparently his 40 times are not elite. He's he's a really fast dude, though, so I, I don't know what about his 40 times, but he's really fast. Is there a chance he could bring that game-changing edge to USC's team next year? And if not, who can from Giles Miles? Well, if anything, he could do it in the special teams area. I really believe that. I think that's where great uh, athletes are born in special teams, punt returns, uh, kickoff returns, all the different things where you can shine. And, of course, uh, on special plays. And I don't know how many turns he'll get on the offensive side of the football because of the great receivers that are already there. And you want a pattern of uh, consistency when you when you play on the offensive side of the football as far as you can't be rotating players every play. It just doesn't happen. So uh, 
that's what happens when you're loaded with talent. And uh, I think that you can utilize him a lot on special teams. And I think uh, uh, Sean uh, Snyder from Kansas State is one of the best at doing that. And uh, we'll see what happens with that. I mean, I, I don't think he'll get all the time John Baxter did on the field. But I'll tell you, when you know what you're doing, you don't have to practice things a lot. You get the right people out there and you execute, and that's what special teams are all about. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm curious to see how Sean Snyder does. I mean, his father, you know, was a special teams guru. I mean, there's a really big part of what they did um, there. So he, you know, he learned from the best. He was at Kansas State for three decades or whatever. I mean, he was there a long time. So curious to see the new environment what he's going to bring to the table. Cause sometimes you change environment as a coach. You've been there forever. You know, everything. Now you come into a new environment. Things can be invigorated. It could be, you know, it's a whole new, new world. So I'm really curious to see what special teams are going to look like. I feel like they're going to be more efficient than what they've been uh, under John Baxter, where they, it's sort of like you were trying to hit a home run all the time and you struck out a lot. I don't like to see special teams like that. I like to see special teams as being steady, you're hitting singles, you're button guys over. And if you occasionally get a, a home run, that's fine. But you don't want to be striking out a lot on special teams. And I feel like that's kind of what USC has done in the past. I agree. And I think they got to be more efficient at their kicking game as far as their punting game, field goal game, the whole thing. And I think uh, Sean can do that. And uh, I know Bill Snyder pretty well. He started at Foothill High School in Southern California and worked his way up. He's a great coach, and his son uh, grew up with a football in his crib, okay? So he knows football, and I think players get more excited uh, when a new coach comes in and talks new techniques and new pride in the special game, especially when they uh, have an opportunity to know someone is really good at what they do, and they're bringing it to them. I think they're more intent, and they listen, and they execute better. So I I think at times it's good for change. It's good for change. And I think in the special teams area, it was time for change as it was on the defensive side of the football. Yeah. Uh, so wait, so you knew Bill Snyder from his time? He was a GA under John McKay, I believe, right? Right. He's been everywhere. He started in high school, Foothill High School. Uh, I, I've said every year he should be coach of the year, okay? What he does at Manhattan, Kansas, with never recruiting class in the top 20 or 30, he plays them all. I think he beat Texas five years in a row, okay? I mean, he is unbelievable and a great coach. The freeway is named after him. The stadium is named after him. You name it. If you remember, he retired, and the program went bad down, and then he came back, and uh, he's old school. And uh, Sean's been with him. He was an assistant. He was assistant head coach there, too. I think they paid him last year to something like $200,000 just to be a consultant. And now he's at USC. So, you know, uh, they got a great special teams coach here. He's a great addition to the staff. All right. We got one last question from Lloyd. He emailed in Helton. The recruiter was the subject. He says, do you think Mike Boa realizes the way Clay Helton is recruiting is going to hurt the USC football program down the road? Helton uh, coaching has embarrassed the team with the loss to Oregon, losses to Iowa and BYU with this kind of talent, the only reason Helton ever made changes to the staff is when someone leaves or the athletic department uh, tells Helton that he has to. How long do you think it will take the Pac-12 defenses to catch up with the air raid? So a lot of points there. Um, So sort of like a statement in the beginning, but 
maybe you want to answer the air raid part of it, coach, or whatever you want. But do, how long do you think Pac-12 defenses will take to catch up to the, to what they're running on the air raid side? Well, you know, <clears throat> it's like anything else. I, I've never felt as though the air raid will win you championships. Okay. I think that they'll, uh, against the lesser competition, obviously, uh, you can be successful. But you don't see any of the top teams in the program running it, okay, in the country, anywhere. You don't see anybody in the Southeastern Conference now except for Mike Leach now at Mississippi State. We'll see what happens to him there. Uh, so, well, you know, we'll wait and see. I don't believe you win championships with the air raid. And... uh We'll see. Uh, that's why you heard me mention a minute ago, and you've heard me the entire year, and I never bought in last spring when they brought it in. Uh, you got to run the football to win football games. you got to be physical, and then the uh, passing game comes off of that. And I think that if you talk to anybody that knows football, they believe in that. And uh, we'll see what happens. I hope they add to the running game. I think they could use a two-back set, and I've talked to you about that a hundred times and all of our listeners because of – their quarterbacks not being mobile or agile or they don't run the football at all. So I think you've got to be able to protect him better in the pocket and have play action pass and move the pocket and do a lot of different things, which they don't do. And I think that's why both quarterbacks got hurt, but you know where they are. And if they can't avoid the rush, then you're in trouble. They're going to get you. So we'll see what happens. And, uh, uh, you know, and I'll tell you honestly, uh, if we're able to watch spring practice, I haven't heard any announcement yet on how much time we are going to be able to watch spring practice, either during the week or on Saturdays. And uh, when we do find that out, I'll be able to tell people exactly how I feel. Yeah, it's supposed to be open. Um, so we'll see what uh, what transpires there. But coach, that's all we got for today. Uh, hope you're Enjoy the week off. Uh, I definitely did. And we're now back to the grind. And we'll be, uh, I guess, just a few weeks away from spring football starting. So ready, getting ready for all that. Isn't it amazing how quick it comes back, football? It really never goes away. No. They just had the national championship game on, what was it, January the 13th? And already here we are back in spring football. So if you're a football fan, you love it. And uh, we want to uh, thank you all for joining us. And again, Ryan, thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, thank you, Coach, for coming on. And thanks, everyone out there. I'm sorry we only had one show last week. We want to try to do at least at least two a week. Might have three this week. Got some little special in the works, so make sure you check it out. Um, but yeah, check back on this podcast feed on uscfootball.com. I think you guys might be pleasantly surprised, but just a little tease. Uh, but thanks, uh, Coach Hyde. Thanks to all you guys out there for listening to the Peristyle Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 